Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Suave Talk presented by Dyer's Top Rods. Joining me today is the other, but possibly the better Brandon. It's Big Sexy Brandon Overton. Brandon, I know I've asked you before, but some of, some of our listeners may not know, but how did you get the nickname Big Sexy? Were you a big wrestling fan growing up? Yeah, no no wrestling fan. Nah, um, the guy that I was driving for, uh, he just had me come in the shop every day, and that's just – I was – short and fat when I was little and that's just what he called me he started calling me it and everybody that come by there they just would say it and, you know bust out laughing or whatever so uh that's kind of how I got it safe to say both of you guys were happy with your performances last weekend turbo swept the weekend you swept the weekend just talk about that a little bit Overton, you go first and then when you're done we'll have turbo come in um yeah we went to uh natural bridge uh i called a couple of my buddies uh, you know that that have raced there before they kind of had me a little sketched out about it you know uh so but anyway it it, it ended up turning out to be a you know a, a, a badass little place like it raced really really good um slick so uh yeah we got it done there um you know i caught ross probably with 10 or so to go and, and got around him and, and got it done over there and then we went to virginia motor and uh, not the normal Virginia motor we see. Uh, I mean, the feature kind of raced like it always did, but the uh, hot lap and heat racing, you know, qualifying and stuff was definitely totally different. Like, it didn't even have a groove when we qualified, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And um, like I said, fell back, started on the uh, qualified good, and he won the heat race and, and got on the outside pole and, and totally screwed it up, fell back to, I think I was an eight, and uh, just kind of worked my way back up there, and, and the car was really good, and you know, I got it done there. So uh, definitely a momentum you know, booster for this weekend. Uh, I'm going to go to Port Royal. Haven't been there. Uh, so, like I said, just ended it last weekend on a good note. Looking forward to this weekend. Turbo? Yeah, I mean, I just, I've seen Brandon go down there and cherry pick them races down in the south long enough <laughs> that I take like, damn, like, maybe that's what I need to do. And honestly, I wanted to go. I, I texted a couple people about going to Virginia and stuff, but it was like, it was like almost 10 hours there. And then, by the time we got to Iowa, if we stopped back at the shop, it would have been like a 20-hour round trip. And, you know, I really would have liked to go to Fairbury and Farmer City, but obviously I was out of the car. And Eldor, yeah, exactly, banned for life. So I was, uh, I didn't have many options, and uh, Moeller boosted their purse and went there. And Moeller, I mean, they don't get enough credit. That is one of the best tracks in Ohio as far as racing-wise. It starts out with a cushion, and it, it kind of moves around and gets slick, and it was it was badass. uh to to race on and then uh richmond man i've heard nothing but horror stories about richmond (laughs) brandon like everyone talks so much shit about that place but uh i I was able to set quick time it started out a little wet and i i I was on the front straightaway and i was talking to the promoter and owner there he was like man i think i'm gonna go in there and pack this top down i was like man i'm i said i don't don't know he's like what do you think i said well I said, from every video and race and just what I see, I said, man, like that tops, you're not going to run the top till this bottom gets blowed off a little bit. Like, why don't you just wait till the feature and, you know, kind of water the top and then pack it. Like, don't pack the top if there's no cushion, you know. And he was like, you think that'll work? I said, well, it's the only chance you got because it's just bottom dominant, you know, kind of the way it's sitting right now. And sure enough, we ran the heats and the heats were so-so. They weren't very good, but, you know, I'd rather have a better track in the feature and, 
he went out there and watered the top and man it was it was actually a really good track i had five or six people text me like damn i've never seen richmond that way like that was the best i've ever seen it and it was it really was a good track i mean you could run the top right up against the fence or park around the bottom and um i mean yeah it was it was a super good weekend for us and like brandon said you know you win like that you just kind of get your momentum built up for the next week and you know that's good we're going lucas racing again for the next two or three weeks so you know we got a little bit of stride and uh try to try to knock off some more wins damn turbo i did not know you were a track prep guru like apparently you're just one of the best in the country now well like one thing that i do think <laughs> a lot don't understand i mean brandon can agree with us like brandon races a lot of those crown jewels down there south of the uh, mississippi river and he could tell you i mean like these guys you know, they, they know what they're doing at their racetrack to an extent, but, like, we race on it, and when you know damn well, like, all right, I'm rolling out for this heat, and if I get off the bottom, everyone's going to pass me. Like, to me, as a racer and as a fan and just watching, you're like, shit, they need to do whatever they can do to get this top rolled in. And the guys at Richmond, they did a good job. I mean, that guy, he, you know, he, he was just honest. He was like, yeah, everybody talks shit about my racetrack and this and that. And after the feature, I was like, dude, you did a good job. Like, you couldn't really ask for much more. And I think a lot of racetracks, you know, I don't know if it's the pride or whatever. You know, it's, it's like anything. If someone tries to tell you how to do your job, you you think they're stupid or whatever. But sometimes a little constructive criticism can make, make the racetracks a lot better. And, you know, if there's two groups of racing, that's all you can ask more, whether it's, you know, not your cup of tea that night or whatever. But if there's people passing in the racetracks, you know, has other lanes. And, I mean, I wouldn't – I mean, I'm sure those people in the stands were much happier to see that feature than they were the night of the outlaw race, you know. And – you know, hopefully that guy, I, I mean, I really feel like he appreciated kind of what I told him. And, you know, he kind of takes that in his notes. And, you know, the next 10 races at Richmond will be badass. So, yeah, I'm I'm not the best at it. And people could probably critique me on my driving, which they do. So, <laughs> hey, I'll anything, you know what I mean? Listen, if it makes everything better, then, yeah, I'm all for it. All right, Turbo, you got some questions for Overton. I hope you're ready, Big Sexy. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. So, I was, I, I got the scoop from uh, some locals down there in the southern Georgia area. and I want to start off, I mean, we know you're big sexy, but just talk about your dress code and how it's evolved over the years. Everybody knows you're famous for the flip-flops, but start out, you know, let's just say K through about eighth grade. What was your dress code? Uh, well, I grew up, I, I did elementary school, like in the, in the country, kind of. Um, well, it was. And then in about middle school, we moved to more like other city. We kind of moved around Clement County, which is more kind of preppy kids, I guess you'd say. So uh, I think I told you the story like the the first day of middle school. Like I didn't know a single person. You know, I get off the school bus and I walk in there and, and where I went to school at, like boots and shorts and, and stuff was like normal. Like that was the a- average, you know, dress code or whatever. Uh, and I'll never forget, like one. Of, he ended he ended up being one of my good buddies. But when I, the first day I walked in there, he said he said, "Hey man, nice boots." Uh, and everybody busted out laughing. I was like, "Damn, you know, kind of picking on me or whatever." But uh, anyway, we ended up being good buddies. Long story short, um, yeah. Then I, you know, whatever. Go through that stage, and 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 I guess you know you wear whatever the other kids wear. And uh, I guess as far as my my flip flops, I just I've never. I guess just where I grew up at. Like I never wore shoes as a as a kid. Anyway, I didn't never like wearing tennis shoes. I always either went barefooted and or then I wore started wearing Crocs. That was cool for me for a little while, and then everybody started giving me shit about Crocs. So then I just I started wearing flip flops. Uh, so now I I mean I don't know. Hell, 
Everybody started. Everybody started messing with me about flip flops, but I ain't. I ain't taking them off. That's kind of the standard. Um, we used to wear my hat crooked a little bit, and everybody. Same thing. People give me shit about wearing my hat crooked, so then I, I turn around backward or either I don't wear. <laughs> All right, and then talk about uh, talk about your dad. A lot of people probably don't know your dad, but like he's probably one of my favorite people at the races. Like he's funny as shit because he doesn't cut y'all any slack, and. Like, every single time I'm at a race, it's either you or Cody's there, and he's always like, that goddamn Cody, he can't drive a lick, or fuck, he's terrible. Or he, like, he always dogs the shit out of you if you don't win, and I think your whole family does. So just kind of talk about, you know, all your support system in Georgia and what they think about. Like, you're like their hero, so if you suck, they think that you <laughs> suck. Yeah, I don't know. My daddy, he's uh, he's he's been on our ass our, our whole life pretty much, you know. Um, like, when I race go-karts, I'll, I'll – I didn't know it until I got older, but I used to, like, for in a go-kart race, most of the time you you draw for, like, a heat race or whatever, and I always had to start last. And I'd always have to pass everybody or yada, yada, yada. Well, anyway, the older I got, the, the lady at the ticket booth, she said, I, she said, I don't even know why you come up here and draw. Your daddy always tells me to put you in the back anyway. So, for the longest time, I it didn't matter if I drew a one or not. I still had to start in the back. Um, just stuff like that. He's always uh, He's always been... I mean, he's. I know he's proud of us and and what we've done and stuff. But he's, he definitely has. It's nothing's. You uh, you got to do a lot to impress him. You know, um, uh, you know, Cody gets a little dose of it too. Nothing's ever good enough for him. But I think he just wants the best for us. Um, I said I, he he's made us. You know, kind of how we are. You know, second, second ain't never good enough for any of us, and we all want to win. So, uh, like I said, I, he don't mean nothing by it. I'm like I know he's proud of us and, and everything we've done. It's just. That's just the way he raises. Swab. But back to the flip-flops, is there like a certain temperature where you have to wear like your racing shoes at the track or a different pair of shoes, or is it just sandals no matter what? Like what if it's 25 degrees and snowing? No, I, I, I do got a couple pair of shoes that I have to wear when it's that cold. Like we come to Atomic the other day, and I was, I was kind of mad. I was like, damn, I don't want to put no shoes on. It's the first time I had to put them on in a while. Um uh, but like I said, around here, it don't ever really get that cold. So pretty much 24-7 flip-flops around here. How often have you raced against Cody, roughly? Uh, I don't know, probably five or six. Who's a better driver? Like if you had to ask your dad and there was like a gun to his head and he had to pick, who do you think he'd choose? Probably Cody. They, like, they, 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 they say whatever I don't say. They kind of go the opposite <laughs> way. Well, we know that Cody has a big head in the pit area when I see him, so he would say himself too. Yeah, definitely. He is. Honestly, I mean, I don't want to tell him this, but he is, he is getting a lot better. Um, he just paying his dues. He ain't no different from the rest of us. It, this shit's hard. It ain't easy. Um, so no matter if you're racing crate or you're racing limited or, a, you know, a mini stock, there's every class has its top tier guys. You know what I mean? You got to beat them. So uh, he is getting a lot better. You know, I'm proud of him. He's starting to work on his own car a lot and, and kind of make his own calls and stuff. So uh, he'll be there. All right, you're always calm, cool, collective in the cockpit. I feel like Turbo, sometimes he gets a little wild up. We've seen a few instances. But what's the maddest you've ever been in the cockpit? There has to be one story that stood out. Maybe you didn't retaliate, but there would be a time where you're like, this MF-er, I want to kick his ass. Um, I'd say probably the maddest I've ever been was last year at 411 for the Lucas race. Um, I got into Kyle Hardy in the heat race, like didn't mean to. It's just typical 411, like, uh we get a heat race we take the green i qualified bad so i'm starting like third row or something 
Uh, Vic Hill's on the pole, Kyle's third, and I'm fifth. So we go into one, and as soon as we pass the flag stand, I forgot who was on the outside of me. Um, like, everybody starts checking up, and I'm, like, trying to beat the guy on the outside of me to the corner, and I look up, and they're, like, stopping. I'm, like, oh, shit. So I turn left, and, and like, halfway slide, Kyle knocked the hell out of him. I'm, like, oh, God. So I just, whatever, keep on going. Well, get in the race, start in the back. I think I run third. Start in the back of the feature, and I get the second chasing Jimmy, trying to catch Jimmy, and I didn't even think about it. But I come up to lap Kyle, and I go right around him, and the next, like, two laps later, he drills me in the left front, <laughs> runs me right in the wall. I was like, oh, God, I'm going to kill him. Uh, that's probably the maddest. I, I mean, honestly, as long as I've been racing, that's probably the maddest I've ever been. I really wanted to show my ass that night, but I just, I mean, it is what it is. You know what I mean? I, I know he felt like I, I run into him, and I did. I did. I mean, there ain't no doubt about it. I just... Didn't mean to do it on purpose. It's just the nature of that racetrack. Like you, it, it's so slick, and, and people try to get positioned on that bottom. And I just really wasn't thinking that they were going to stop. I figured everybody's first corner, everybody's going to barrel ass down in there, you know? Uh, so that's probably about the maddest they've ever been. 2014, 2013, Brandon Overton, when he was a little bit bigger and stockier, I think maybe you would have flexed your muscles a little bit more. But now, since you're kind of like slim, tram, a little skinny, maybe they're not as intimidated by you now. <laughs> that's fine they'll see uh i mean i ain't, ain't really worried about it um i gotta have like a little more speed you know what i mean i gotta be a little quicker than i was <laughs> i would say you are a little quicker turbo you got something yeah i mean i've seen brandon get wild one time one night i was at magnolia and uh they were prepping the racetrack and i seen uh i seen brandon he was cruising by on a full or something and they were yelling at people not to go on the racetrack and Brandon can correct me if I'm wrong, but basically some locals down there, Justin McCree, they were like hooping and hollering and <laughs> kind of fucking shit because Brandon was going to drive. He wasn't even going to drive on the racetrack. Like Everybody kind of rolls up to the edge of the racetrack, looks at the racetrack, and drives off. Well, they were mouthing and mouthing. I'm telling you, Brandon, like, ghost ride, dumps his four-wheeler, and, like, runs up to him like, you some bitch, I'll kick your ass, blah, 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 blah. And, like, the whole pinner's like, holy shit, I ain't never seen Brandon yell like that. And I, I saw it, too, and I was like, God damn, man, he's mad. Like, what what got into him? And what's the funniest part is it had nothing to do with racing. Like, it was just an incident at the racetrack. Is that true or false? It's true. It's true. I just, I mean, sometimes I do get a little mad, but I I try not to show my ass too much. That's probably some of my, some of my daddy coming out of me. My daddy, he uh, if he raced, he would be like Turbo on steroids. Y'all think Turbo's bad? Like, if my dad raced... <laughs> Turbo wouldn't have shit on him, I promise. Like, he is crazy. Hell, yeah. All right, now talk about uh, kind of talk about your rides, you know, starting from what you started in, Budweiser car to the Weaver car with Harold and them, and now where you're at now. Just kind of talk about those rides and some things you took from them and learned and, you know, the struggles, ups and downs, and just the evolution of where you're at today. Yeah, definitely. Like the, the Budweiser deal um, with Doug and Kathy, um, that was – more less just you know like that's like my own car you know they they bought me the car and the motor and the stuff and then it was just up to us to kind of go race it and, and keep it up and if we tear it up we got to fix it you know so um that kind of taught me i guess uh you know the value of a dollar how you race like i'm still the same way like like i still beat my body out like every week like i just i, I skip on everything we don't always race on new tires like you know a lot of guys i mean a lot of the people that we race against you know they do go out there a lot, you know, it's new tires, it's new this, it's new that, and, and we 
we even though we probably could we still don't i still don't race that away you know um so i think that more or less taught me you know how to manage my money and and, and spend it in the right areas um so i did that for a couple of years and and really when i got to uh weavers that was more or less showing me pretty much uh you know you got to have you got to have good crew help you got to have good stuff you got to have good cars um you know it showed me how to kind of how to have a team and and how to put people in place to do their job you know Weaver did a real good job of you know hiring Pearl and Josh and Benny like he and you know he had he had everything in place there to do it um so that definitely taught me a lesson um and then like I said with Harold and them it's just the stars didn't really line up you know there me and Harold are still best friends and and I talked to him all the time and, and got a lot of respect for him and Joey and it's just one of those deals that we just it just didn't work out but i I mean, hell, it's still a stepping stone. I still raced, and we won some races. And, uh, you know, now it just kind of turned into what I got now with, with Big Dave. It's like I, I I went through all those steps, and I've raced in every kind of scenario with different people and how to handle people and, and took everything I learned, stuff that I did wrong in the past as far as, you know, you know, just jumping around and, and, and racing with no help or, or whatever. Just when I come over here to Dave's, I just kind of aligned it. I just did the best. Everything that I messed up on in the past, I tried to correct, and and that's the way we've we've kind of ran this deal. And and so far, so good. Um, just like I said, I hope this lasts for a long time. This is this is fun. This has probably been the most fun I've had racing, and uh, most relaxed I've been. And I think it shows. Why the number seventy six? Um, the guy that I started racing for, which is Heather's granddaddy. That's when the go kart days, uh, right? The go kart days, yep. He was he was number seventy six. We we grew up not far from a go kart track. We used to go watch all the time, and and the the seventy six he he kicked their ass, and uh, they were gonna sell it, and we went over there to my dad went to go buy them off for me and my brothers, and they didn't really want to sell, so we just started driving them, and they just left the numbers on them, and, and when I moved the cars, I just kind of took it with me. All right, in twenty thirteen and fourteen, when you were in the Budweiser seventy six, and you and your brother and couple other guys were traveling the country trying to run the world of outlaws be honest did you know what the hell you were doing no not at all <laughs> there was probably some good not stories on those I, trips though just yeah, like traveling trips you're we, like you uh, gotta be kidding me we're doing this by ourselves <laughs> yeah we we didn't have a clue like i i remember like the racing part i didn't know what i was doing but it didn't really bother me like i was just learning you know so the racing driving working on the car that was like normal I was nervous about like driving. Like I had to drive the truck and trailer, and like it's just me and my little. Like I was the oldest one in the truck, so I, I mean I don't know how old I was then, but it's like no adults don't really know what to do. Um, when I started around the word outlaws, hell, I ain't never even seen a damn toll booth. You know, like I I'd, I'd get in the Eckert had a fast pass or whatever you call it where you can just kind of like roll through. Well, I'd just get over there with them and roll right on through. Didn't think nothing about it until we started getting, like, all these tickets and shit in the mail. Um, but, yeah, like, that was the, that was the hardest part for me was the, the, the driving and, and didn't know where I was going. And, like, if I got lost on the way there or all the – when you start going to all these racetracks, you know, like, don't come in this way or you need to go that way. Well, like, I probably took all the wrong ways not to come in the first two years I raced. Like, if I, if I didn't have somebody to follow, I was, I was all messed up. That is awesome. Turbo, you got something? Yeah, tell them about the time that you and Heather went racing and your lift gate broke 
tell tell that whole story about the red lights and the whole shebang. That's like that's my favorite driving story I've ever heard. Though there's two of them. You got to so, tell that one first. So we went to <laughs> we were going to race at Livonia. We were going to race at Livonia, and I went to uh, Bobby K's shop in Anderson. And we work on my car a little bit that day, and we we get ready to load up, and we're going to go over to Livonia. It's probably like an hour away or something. Um, so I get the car, in the, I get the car on the gate. I pick it up. I push the car in. I get ready to come back down, and I hit the button, and the gate won't go down. So we're like messing with it, messing with it, messing with it. The gate won't go down. Gate won't go down. Go down. We finally like track the lines or whatever and bleed it off. It it falls like halfway down, you know. So I'm like, all right, whatever. So we're pissed off. We done missed like hot laps and everything. It's like almost dark. So uh, we tie like some red shot rags around the lift gate. The lift gate's still all the way down. So can't do anything about it so we tie like some red rags around it and i'm bob's like what are you gonna do i said i'm just gonna go home i'll get somebody to fix it so we shut the sliding glass doors and strap the car down good and tie some rags around there and i drive home well probably like 30 40 minutes away from the house this damn car comes around me and he throws like it looked like a bud light maybe not but it was a canned drink and it hits the front windshield like kaboom i'm like oh yeah, I'm going to shoot this guy's tires out if I catch him. So I floorboard. I'm like chasing this guy down the road. Anyway, he's in a little car. He passes me. So long story short, we pull in the shop. Don't think nothing else about it. I'm just kind of like freaked out. This guy just hit my rig with a damn beer can. So we pull in the shop, and I get out, and I jump out. And as soon as I like turn around and look down back to the trailer, I was like, oh, shit. I had uh, like tree branches, um, a, a street light, like a stop traffic light that I had tore down. The poles, I forgot all about how high the poles were sticking up out of the lift gate. I was just so mad that we were not going to get the race that I just didn't care. I just kept on driving. Well, the guy threw the beer, the, the can at me, probably because shit was flying off my trailer. I'm sure I was tearing. I come down like Highway 28, so I'm sure I was tearing like tree limbs down. It's probably blowing all over his car. So, anyway, I, 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 I kind of gave him a, you know, whatever deal on that. But had a street light hanging, a tree branch, all kind of stuff. Oh, hanging around the poles. Mhm. Yeah, that was good times. I remember. I, I had a bridge. I had a. I had a bridge one time in Canada when we ran the the word out. Oh deal. We come. We come. Uh, I wrecked at one of those places in New York, and McCready told me to go to his buddies and fix my car. So I go to his buddies, I fix my car, and I get it all loaded up, and I, just me and one of my other buddies. So we drive from New York to Canada, go through the border. I'm nervous as hell. They kind of gave me like some half-assed directions on how to get into the track. So uh, I drive, I drive, and I get to the road, and I turn left, and, I, and it's like just daylight, and I'm like, yeah, I see everybody. And, and the thing is, everybody was facing me. So I'm like, well, that's the racetrack right there. I just got to go up underneath this bridge. And I seen the bridge, and it was really low, but I was like, well, damn, everybody else went under there, so maybe they go down there and turn around, and then, you know, they're all lined up ready to get into the track. So I just, like, try to start easing up underneath it, and, like, the automatics in the, in the trucks, like, you get going a little too fast and I'll just go ahead and change gears. So I have like the door halfway open and I'm kind of like looking up at the ceiling, kind of making sure I'm going to make it or whatever. And then the thing shifts gears and makes a big old lunge. I run right in the damn bridge too low, tear the satellite dish off all the railing. I'm like wedged up underneath it. Yeah, it's a mess. How fun was it? How fun was it to go through the border in Canada? Kovac always tells me there's always maybe like one or two crew guys that have to stay because they can't make it across. Well, I didn't have all I had was one crew guy with me because none of none of my buddies could get in. We knew it before we ever left it; they couldn't get in. 
So the one I the one I did have the one I did have with me, he was asleep. He when when I was working on my car at McCready's, he went to the bar with some of the McCready's buddies. So he's all damn half lit, tore up. So he gets in the truck. When I start driving, he gets up in the bunk, and goes to sleep. Well, as soon as we about ten minutes from me getting there or whatever, when I start seeing the signs, I wake him up and I'm like, "Hey man, get down, get down." So he gets in the front seat with me and we pull up to the booth and I'm nervous as hell. I give him all my I give him all my paperwork or whatever and and I'm looking at him and he kind of like looks around me. He says, "Hey, what's wrong with him?" And I turn around and look, and, and my buddy, he's got his sunglasses on. It's, like, just still dark outside. He's got a sunglasses on. He's looking straight ahead, like suspicious as hell. So I'm like, Trey, take your damn sunglasses off. So anyway, that's, we kind of got a little half-assed scared right there, but uh, we gave them all our stuff, and they let us on in. Yeah, be honest, though. How rewarding is it when you have these crazy travel stories, you have these insane running into bridges, stop signs, to where you're at now with David Wells and just having a great program, and it seems like it's a great fit for you. It's cool. It's, uh, I mean, hell, this is what we all this is what we all wanted to do, and 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 just like I said, fortunate to do it. I was actually talking to to uh, Tater Masters at at uh, maybe it was Taz War or something a couple months ago. Him and Jim Beeman were standing in front of the, the rig, and we just got that new truck, and it's it's you know it's nice. And, uh, Jim and Tater were standing up there in the front, and I kind of bounced out of the truck, and I seen him standing there, and I went over there and talked to him, and, and Tater said, I said, this thing's nice, ain't it, Tater? And he said, he said, damn, man, I I remember when you had to borrow a damn trailer to come get your race car. I'll never forget that story either. We, I, I, I didn't have a trailer at the time to go get my car from Tater and them. So I, I, I borrowed one. I borrowed one, and they got, they've worked and worked and worked. Like, it's like right before Speed Week, so we're trying to get ready to go to Scriven. We're all pumped up. I'm going to take this new car down there. I get there and they've got it all nice and, and it's shiny. It's just brand new. This thing's looking good. So we get ready to uh, load this thing up and then we start winching it in, winching it in. We get it halfway up the ramps and the damn winch cable breaks and here it comes out of the trailer backward. It rips the whole left side door off of it. I'm like, oh shit, that's not good. So Tater's like, oh no, pull it back in the shop. So we unhook it, pull it back in the shop, put a door on it so I don't take it there with the door ripped off of it. Put a door back on it, so now, like an hour later, here we go again. We're rolling it back in there. So now we get it all the way up in there, and the damn ramps collapse that that I'm putting it on. They, like, completely rotted out or whatever. So I push the car on there, and all of a sudden, this damn thing just falls and lands on the floor. So we just, stra- we just strapped it down and hauled it back to Georgia. It was a damn mess trying to get it out of there. Goodness gracious. Uh, Turbo, I feel like you and Brandon have, like, a little bit of the same pass where you, like, start off, don't really know what you're doing, traveling up and down the – country having these crazy wild stories and you're finally in a place that you feel comfortable in but i feel like you guys have a little bit of the same background obviously different parts of the country but you have some stories too yeah for sure i mean i I race the same way like everybody you know they always said i was spoiled ass rich kid talking about me but i mean brandon i was i think one of the first times i met brandon we were at a we were at a rock rockford and they put dirt on the racetrack and i just got a brand new rocket car i had black diamonds at the time and, uh, you know, that was my first year running Outlaws trying. I don't even say – I wouldn't even say I ran it. I was just there every night. Well, I ended up running second, and I think Brandon ran third or fourth. And he was like – we were we were the only two that were out there working on our shit because it was – at the time, I think I had Jaco as my crew guy, and Brandon had Cody. And uh, what was that two tall guy that didn't talk? What was his name? What was his name, Brandon? Josh. Uh, Josh. Yeah, Josh. Josh was cool as shit doing anything in the world, but he was just – you had to meet him. But anyways – 
we're out till like three, four, five in the morning working on our cars, doing all kinds of shit. And I ain't never really talked to Brandon. And uh, he comes by. He was like, hey, man, you think you could wake me up in the morning when we go to leave? Because we had to race the next day somewhere. And I was like, yeah, for sure. I said, I don't I don't know really when I'm going to wake up. But, I mean, it'll probably be late. He's like, yeah, me too. Just wake me up. I was like, all right. And sure enough, we woke up at like probably one o'clock the next day and me were the only two sitting in the pits. I was like, shit, we got to go. So I like ran over there, woke him up and we drove the racetrack. But yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's why we have so much more fun. And, you know, we appreciate it a lot because, you know, we race with no, nothing. when I started racing, I literally, I knew as much as, you know, what I call on the phone and try to ask, uh, you know, I, I do remember I called Mike Marler once when I was like 16 because he had been winning some races in rocket cars, and I just got one. And uh, I was like, I called Mike Marler's shop, like went on Facebook, found his number, called him, and I was like, hey, Mike Marler, this is Tyler. Um, you think I've got a car? And he would like, yeah, drop you right lower. Uh, that's about, like, he wouldn't tell me shit, because he was like, who is this guy? Like, why is he calling me? You know what I mean? And it's funny now to, like, race with them guys, and, you know, they actually respect you a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had my fair share of learning curves and, you know, I, I actually, my one Canada border crossing, I went one time to, uh, Brighton and then the other one got rained out, but it was me and Jaco and we got about 20 miles from the border and I was following Mark Richards and he was like, Hey man, you ain't got no guns or nothing, do you? I was like, yeah, dude, I got a pistol in my truck all the time. He was like, dude, that you can't bring that into Canada. They'll take you to jail. I mean, you, you can't do that. I was like, well, what, what am I supposed to do? I said, I don't know anybody here. I said, dude, I'm from Texas. And he was like, Dude, they're going to take you to jail if you get to the border. They x-ray your truck and this and that. And Mark Mark has a tendency to kind of exaggerate sometimes. But I was worried because I was like 17. Jaco looks like a terrorist. I mean, the whole deal wasn't lining up. Good. So, like, I got on Google and, like, looked up how to take this gun apart. And I took it into, like, five pieces, stopped on the side of the road, and I put it in my four-wheeler. Like, the where you got your toolbox on the back of the four-wheeler behind the headlight. Then I had a bunch of lead, and I stuck the I took the rear end cover off my spare rear end and stuck like the the clip in there, and like I hid this gun all in my trailer. The life was all good. We pull up to the border, and like three rigs are in front of us, so they get pulled through, and we're like, all right, we're good. We pull up, and they're checking our shit. Everything's good, and they're like, hey, we're gonna need you to pull over here to this inspection site. And me and Jaco go inside this building for like two hours, and they're looking at our shit. I mean, they're going through, looking, looking. And they never come back and said nothing. Well, we get to the racetrack. Mark's like, what'd you do with that gun? You throw in the ditch. I was like, hell no. I was like, it's in my four-wheeler. And we rode around in Canada for like a week and a half with a gun. And I was like, I was scared to death. Somebody's going to pull me over. Or somebody's going to snitch on me and tell me I had this pistol. And I'd end up getting locked up in jail in Canada. And they'd have all my stuff tied up. So, yeah, you uh, you do get to see and learn a lot of stuff and, you know, the hard way. And, you know, I, I'm really thankful that I got Randall and, you know he's a seasoned vet, so he kind of he he kind of keeps me from doing a lot of dumb the a lot of the dumb stuff that we used to do in times past for sure. What's the biggest win on your list that you want to win? Mm, I'd say this Eldora. This yeah, two what, weeks be talk about nice. your thoughts about Eldora with those two big paychecks. I know Turbo's <laughs> very excited for it. Yeah, uh, that's gonna be somebody gonna win a lot of money. You know, um, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what you. Eldora's kind of its own animal. It is what it is, and. and there's only one guy that's going to win or whatever. Um, I guess this case there's going to be two big winners or, or maybe one guy will sweep it. I don't know. Um, it's kind of a crapshoot every time you go there. you got your normal guys that, that, that are always kind of up front that you know we're going to have to deal with. So uh, just like I said, hope, hopefully we're, or I'm one of the ones that, that, that they got to beat. I haven't haven't run too good in the, 
the big races the last couple of years, but steadily been working on it. And uh, like I said, I'm excited to get over there. That definitely be the biggest one I ever won. Um, probably, you know, a lot of other people thinking the same thing. But it's just funny to me that you're just like nonchalantly like, oh, it's just Eldora, just because you're you're right. It is just an animal. You could have the best car for two months there, and you go there, and you have something crazy happen. That just seems to do that to people when they when they go on the racetrack there at the Big E. It's just, it, it is, like, you, it don't matter how many races you won, when you roll in there, it's kind of like, it's so, so, I mean, you you set fast time, and, and you're thinking you done did something good, and then they invert, and you start in six, and it's wide-ass open, and you can't pass a soul, and then, you know, you say you get somebody, somebody in your B main or whatever that's going to slide you and, like, misjudges it and push you, you know, it's just so much luck, and, and and it's hard. I mean, there's so many good cars there, and, and the track, you know, obviously is, it plays a big deal in it, how it's prepped and stuff. So I just kind of take it, you know, with the grand salt. You, you go there and you do good, or you go there and you suck, and then once you leave there, you forget about it. You better get back to making money and or, or winning races. Turbo, what are you doing that weekend? I don't know. Hopefully racing. I don't know. I, I mean, the odds of me getting to go to Eldora are slim to none. But, you know, there's there's always a possibility. Are you at, so. Do you have some tricks up your sleeve or what? Are you going to, like, uh, protest or man, what's going to happen? No. Let Randall I, drive. I could, man. I could. I could sign in as Brandon Brandon Yoverton and race. I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I, I would love to do it. Trust me. That, that really hurts not being able to go to that. But there is – I've searched the entire United States, and there's two races that weekend in Mississippi. And the next week we go to Magnolia, so – I would say we'll probably end up going. To, I might go up there for a couple of days with my buddy Steven and try to crew chief on him. And if, if Steven can win one, that would almost be better than me winning because it would mean a lot to him. I mean, that would be his first super late model win, and that would be awesome. But <laughs> we're going to try to find something to do. But uh, I do got one more thing about a, a track story here. What about uh, – I've been to Shawano, Wisconsin one time, and I know you've been there before too. Um Kind of talk about that time that you were cruising downtown in that four-wheeler and, and everything that happened that day. I wasn't cruising. Cody what was happened? Cruising. Cody was on. Yeah, so so. <laughs> well, you're, you were at you were at Fairbury the week before. It's four-wheeler city there. You're like, oh, we can do it here at Shano, I'm sure. Yeah, so everybody goes to the laundromat. I think it was Clanton and Eckert and whoever was all parked at the racetrack and. Cody said, I'm going to go with them. I'm going to go wash my clothes. We're going to go, you know, get some ice cream or whatever. And I said, like, all right, whatever, go. Um, me and Big Bob that work for Eckert, we're like, hell, we're going to watch Street Outlaws. So, anyway, we start bullshitting, hanging outside or whatever. Um, about 30 minutes later, the police comes pulling up. And Bob's like, oh, man, somebody, somebody's in trouble. Police is coming. I'm like, yeah, I wonder who's going to jail, you know. Well, they come right over there to me and Bob, and they say, uh, they say, is, is Brandon Overton here? And Bob was like, man, what the hell did you do? So he kind of walks off, scares off, leaves me standing there where the cop comes. And he says, you Brandon? I said, yes, sir. I said, am I going to jail? He said, probably. So I was like, damn, <laughs> I've never been to jail. So he he tells me, uh, you know, turn around. And, and, and I went to kind of put my hand in my pocket to, you know, grab all my stuff out of my pocket. He freaks out. He's like, get your hands out of your pockets. I'm like, damn, dude, I'm just getting my cell phone out. Like, uh, He's like, don't move. So he, like, spins me around, turns me around, handcuffs me. I'm scared shitless because I don't know what's going on. I ain't never really been in no trouble. So he spins me around, goes and opens the door. 
um, when he opens the door, there's my little brother, Cody. He's sitting in the back. He's smiling like hell. So they they put me in there, and, and he's like, I'm like, what are we doing? He's like, that four-wheeler. I'm like, yeah, what about it? He's like, it's stolen. I said, what? He said, that four-wheeler's stolen. So I start telling the cop. I'm like, look, dude, I didn't know that. I didn't know that four-wheeler was stolen, like I promise you. He said, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what they all say. You know, he kept <laughs> going on like, like, I, like I was lying. So I'm getting, like, freaked out. Like, I'm like, damn, I'm about to go to jail. My buddy doesn't let me borrow his four-wheeler, and, and I'm, a, I'm going to jail for it. So Cody's, like, taking pictures of me, like, handcuffed in the back and thinks it's, like, great. Cody's, Cody, at this time, Cody's probably 16. He's been in jail two or three times, so it ain't, like, no big deal for him. Uh, so anyway, we get to the, to the Dairy Queen laundromat deal, and they, there they have it. They have it, like, four cop cars, Eckert, Clanton, they're all there sitting there smiling, laughing. Um, and they come up and long story short, they, we ended up getting it worked out. One of my buddies bought it and the guy he bought it from obviously stole it. And, uh, when they like did all the computer stuff, they called the people who owned it and they were like, no, nah, we don't want it back. We didn't got a new one. Uh, we didn't got a new one insurance, you know, yada, yada, yada. Well, the guy that they, that he bought it from, he was already in jail for stolen shit. So they ended up letting me go. I was, I was a nervous wreck. Um, Hell, I remember we got back to the track, and the, the guy that owns that place, he come up to me. He's like, hey, man, don't worry about that four-wheeler. I'm going to get it back. And I said, "I said, no, man, it's okay. He's like, no, no, that's bullshit. They shouldn't, they shouldn't have done that. I'm going to get your four-wheeler back. Because I didn't really tell anybody it was stolen because I didn't want you know, I, I didn't really know anybody, you know, just a couple guys we raced with. So I didn't want everybody thinking I'm rolling around stealing shit, you know. So uh I told the guy kept telling me he's like I'm gonna I'm gonna get that forward back and I said look I finally told him I said look man you ain't getting that forward back I said that damn thing's stolen from like Greenville South Carolina he said yeah yeah we ain't getting that forward back so anyway I just <laughs> cut my losses there cut my losses with it uh, yep that is hilarious <laughs> I mean Turbo I think nothing has topped over ten stories today that's all I gotta say. I'm telling you, dude, he's full of them. And then the last one, I haven't heard this story. This was just from a, a good source. What happened the night after your birthday about three or four weeks ago? I heard well, that you first off, before. first off, how come me and Turbo didn't get invited to the surprise 30th? That was one of my questions. I texted you like the weekend after. I'm like, that looked badass. I was like, come on, let me in. That's kind of bull crap. Yeah. Yeah, I need to talk to Heather, man. You got a sweet talk, Heather. She, I think she did all the inviting. All right, I better be at the 40th. I'll, I'll sweet talk her next time I see her. But, yeah, what happened a couple days later or a day later? No, is that what night? Happened, is that, that, that night, Cody says something happened that night after your birthday party. <laughs> I don't really remember. Uh, he's lying. Something happened. I don't know if he hit his pants or what, but something happened. It was big. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to let – y'all have to get Cody on here and let Cody tell you. Yeah, we'll have to get Cody on. Okay, so final question <laughs> – that we do on Suave Talk is driver assessment for Tyler Herb. So I want you to be honest from when you first saw him to right now, how much he's improved, but also what he needs to improve on to make him the best driver. Because one day we're going to take all our uh, all the drivers and crew guys and the Mark Richards of the world, so we're going to take all the assessments and make Turbo the best driver. So we need your input. You got you know, a minute, minute 30, just give us what, a little feedback for Turbo. Uh, from where he started, where he started, and where he's at now, hell, I mean, he's doing a good job. Like he, uh, I think, honestly, the places he struggles, he knows why he struggles, and the things he struggles with, 
you know, he knows that he probably needs to work on them. You know, um, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to tell him too much because I don't want it's already hard enough to beat him now. I don't want him. I don't want to make it harder on myself. You know, uh, <laughs> like I said, I tell everybody, Tyler's a big boy. When he does wrong, he knows he does wrong, and and he knows what he needs to fix. Um, I said, uh, from where from the first couple times we raced together till or. I think he, I think he ran me over at Volusia a couple of years ago. From till today, I think we all kind of know how we race each other and and have enough respect for if he barrels it off in there, I know I need to lift, and if I barrel it off in there, he needs to lift. So, uh, just a, I don't know how you say it, just an agreement between all of us, kind of know how to race each other, and and as long as we do that, everybody's cool. Turbo, I do have to say something funny at uh, East Bay when I did one lap, one beer with. Overton, it was the same night that you got suspended, and you know East Bay is you don't really know what's going on because it goes so fast. And Overton's like, what, <laughs> what happened to Turbo? Like right before the interview, and I said, yeah, he ran into Ziegler. He's like, I want to text that dumbass after this interview. So that, that was like one of the one of the funnier stories uh, of Overton just uh, giving you some props on that night. <laughs> yeah, but I, listen, he I'll, I'll be the first one to text him and give him a hard time when he gets out when he gets out run down there trying to cherry pick. I promise you, I'll let him know. And he text me too and be like, "What the hell are you doing? Are you gonna let Dev Moran win every race at Atomic?" So we definitely, uh, we know what what we're what we're trying to do. But yeah, we give each other a hard time, and that's that's what I like about racing, man. I I would have never met Brandon if I hadn't started racing. You know, it's it's crazy how you can click with people that you know they're from different places and and start at different different points in their life of doing stuff and. You know, I'm glad that I met Brandon, and you know, I can call him a good friend. And uh, that's just that's that's probably one of my favorite things about racing is all the awesome people you meet, and you know how uh, how cool it is. Like when you go to a racetrack, it's like you're catching up with your buddies that you ain't seen in forever. You know. Oh, Overton, that was very nice words by him. Yeah, kind of damn. Were you crying? Kind of nice that way. No, <laughs> no, he's right though. Hell, I I probably talked to them more than I talked to all my my high school buddies you know when you when you get older and you grow up i guess everybody goes their different ways and you don't really get to see them as much and, and we all do the same thing so I feel like i see them more than i see my you know my friends i grew up with well brandon good luck at port royal this weekend you're making your debut i know that a guy named kyle larson debuted last year in a late model there and won so i can th- i can see you doing the same thing there turbo good luck in iowa this weekend we're going to get some more points we're going to catch up and Get you know, get closer to that top six to five action. Uh, thanks for both of you guys taking time out of your day and uh, enjoy the rest of the year. Hell yeah, thank you. All right, see you, D. Swift.